Before I preach, uh, let us pray again. Heavenly Father, you are the source of all good. Would you give us wisdom and would you teach us how we should earn and use money? And may you um, use my sermon uh, to talk to your um, people this evening. Um, we submitted our uh, time this evening uh, to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you a behind-the-scenes story, which is that I did not choose this topic. In May, Pastor Jason sent out an email to some of the staff of URC to pick up a theme from Proverbs and to preach it. However, the themes are limited into four ones, money, work, anger, and friendship. One of the ways of how Chinese show courtesy is to let older people to do what they want first. And I have to deal with what is being left. So I just sat down and waited. Dave was the first one initiated. He picked friendship. I thought it makes sense because he is a children and, uh, and youth minister. How can you become, how can you be a children and youth minister without, without a friend? Especially those uh, young and restless friends. So dealing with friendship is important for him. Then Pat picked anger. I thought it still makes sense. You know, Pat is our counseling director. So he may deal with people who struggle with anger. And sometimes that he may need to show some righteous anger towards those whom he has counseled does not trust God's promises. And obviously, Nick, who is the most athletic in the staff team, picked work. Therefore, it left me the topic on money without choice. <laughs> well, I may exaggerate a little bit. But this topic does make me un uncomfortable. Why? What do you expect a 20-ish Chinese single male who did not grow up in a rich family and just gra graduated from a seminary talk about money? But later I realized Jesus was not a rich person in secular standard either. And if there has to be someone who has the most money to preach on this topic, then it should be the Amazon founder, Jeff Bezos, to preach this evening. It doesn't matter whether me or Jeff Bezos gave you five rules to be rich or not. The only thing that is matter on this topic is what the Bible teaches us about money and what the all-knowing God says about money. Because once we die, nobody in this world can take their money with them, so there got to be something beyond money. There are so many places in the scriptures that talk about money, and there are some really crucial passages that talk about money are not in Proverbs. Just take one example, such as Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
I'm not saying that Proverbs does not have enough things to say about money. On the contrary, there are many places that talk about money in Proverbs. But obviously, it is not the only place that you can learn about the topic of money in the scriptures. And the challenge of preaching on the topic of money from Proverbs is that they do not show in one place. It scatters all over the book evenly. Tonight, I want to give you, I want to give you nine principles about money from Proverbs. I am organizing these principles in three categories. When I say principles, I mean the scriptures do not tell us whether we should buy a new phone or new car in a special given situation. But, this, but I do believe all these principles themselves imply the applications for our use and practice. It just needs us to seek wisdom while we apply them in our daily lives. All I need you to do this evening is to get your Bible ready, either a paperback or a digital one. When I speak to a specific passage, you can be prepared. So this, these three categories are, first, money is a good thing. Second, money is a dangerous thing. Third, money is not everything. You can repeat with me. It, it, it's, it's simple, right? First, money is a good thing. Money is a dangerous thing. And money is not everything. So first, let us look at the good thing of money. Money is a good thing, and you can't avoid talking about it. At least I know I cannot. Sometimes I will meet with people at URC who are curious how often do I call my parents. Praise the Lord, my mom became a Christian in 2016 after I became a Christian, but my dad is not a Christian yet. So every time when I call my parents, especially if I talk uh, with my dad, Three things that occupies 99 time when, I, when we talk on the phone are Are you sure you have a good job? Why don't you get married? And do you have enough money? I mean every single time. If I tell you I called my dad last week, you pretty much already know what we had talked about. We talk about money because we need it. Moreover, to live in this world, there are a few things that you cannot live without. Ultimately speaking, you cannot live without the God's providential provision. But at a lower level, you cannot live without oxygen. You cannot live without water. You cannot live without food. And you cannot live without money. Remember, this is not an exhaustive list. It gives you a basic idea. Everything in this world costs something. If it does not cost you, it costs somebody else. Sometimes you will hear people say, well, the gospel is free. The gospel is free because Jesus has paid the price on the cross. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, and you who were died in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses 
by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. You see, even when we talk about our salvation, it uses the language of dealing with debt. In the parable of the unforgiving servant, Jesus uses money to describe someone who resists to forgive the other. In the parable of the talents, Jesus used money to tell that we need to contribute to the kingdom of God according to what we have been given. Therefore, money is the, one of the most important analogies in the scriptures. Paul Tripp, in his book Redeeming Money, says, Money is such a big deal that in Christ's teaching ministry, it was one of his favorite and most important topics. You may not know it, but Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven. He talked about money more than he talked about hell. Of the 39 parables recorded in the Gospels, 11 talk about money. Almost every page of the Gospel of Luke is dyed with this conversation. So not only prosperity gospel talks about money, Orthodox Christians should talk about money as well. But when we talk about money, we need to line, out, line up our views with the scriptures. Therefore, the first principle that I draw from the book of Proverbs is money is good because we need it. If you have the Bible, please turn to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15. Proverbs 10:15 says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. In this verse, it is obvious, obviously that Proverbs teach us it is better to be rich than poor without making a moral judgment. It compares a rich man's wealth with a city not only a city, but a strong city. Nice, uh, two weeks ago, I was in St. Louis for the PC General Assembly. And we got a chance to walk in downtown St. Louis a lot. St. Louis is a beautiful city, but Proverbs teaches, teaches us that the opposite of wealth is a ruin of a city. So think of what it looks like. The arch and buildings of Saint, in St. Louis start to collapse because of the poverty. Therefore, it is better to live in a better financial situation than live in poverty. In chapter 30 of Proverbs, Iger, son of Jacob, asks for two things, neither poverty nor riches. The reason that he doesn't want to be poor is that in verse 9, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. The reason that Agur, son of Jacob, does not want to be poor is that he is afraid that he will, he will steal and profane the name of God due to poverty. So the Proverbs teach us that money is good because we do need it. Principle number two. Money is a good thing because it is a result of our diligent work. Proverbs frequently addresses that the reason that someone is poor because his laziness. 
However, it is in incorrect to say that all poor people are lazy. But Proverbs gives a certain work ethic here, which is no pain, no gain. I will mention a couple of verses. Um, you can write down first. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Chapter 12, verse 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Probably the most famous one, chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. Go to the end, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any, any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. The author of Proverbs goes to a great detail. He even observes the behaviors of a small ant to learn wisdom. Proverbs also give us another example of a diligent worker in, in Proverbs chapter 31, the excellent wife. Just to take a couple verses as example, verses 15 and 16, she rises while it is yet night, and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. In verse 11, it says that the heart of her, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Verse 22, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Sometimes money can manifest your diligent and skillful work. Principle number three, money is a good thing because it can be a great blessing. Chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he has no sorrow with it. This verse does not say that your diligent work is useless for making money, but it does say that sometimes to be rich is the blessing of the Lord. Chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This passage sounds like a prosperity gospel, doesn't it? But it actually talks about that our priority in life is to honor God or it is a command to honor God and wealth is a byproduct or blessing from the Lord. Category number two, money is a dangerous thing. Principle number four, 
Money can make you dishonest. Chapter eleven, verse one: A false balance is a, a abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Chapter twenty, verse ten: Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Here, a false balance. Unequal weights and unequal measures refer to dishonest business practices, and the Scripture says that the Lord hates these behaviors. Does this principle make you nervous? Have you dishonest about your money to your customers, to your spouse, to your boss, or to the government? Principle number five: Money can make you indifferent. Chapter twenty, verse fourteen. Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. Here we see a crafty buyer who sees the true value of a product, tries to take advantage of the seller. Rather than buying the product in a fair price, he demeans it first and trying to make a good profit from this trick. What he only cares about is how much benefit he can get from the product. Chapter twenty-eight, verse eight: Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. This verse depicts a person who oppresses the poor, and rather than helping them, but make use of them. When we have more money. One of the temptations could be that rather than be generous, we become more stingy and don't see people's needs anymore. And I couldn't think of a better illustration than Mr. Scrooge. If you haven't read Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol, well, you should. Bah, hamburger. <laughs> Principle number six. Money can lead to spiritual destruction. Chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight: Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. It says, "Don't trust your riches, because it will fall." Money cannot give you identity, and money cannot give you safety. Only God can. Chapter twenty-three, verses four and five: Do not toil to acquire wealth; be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Money cannot give you safety because it is dynamic, it is changing, and it is not steady. Moreover, money could be our idol and cost us eternal life. Chapter thirty, verse nine. Lest I be fool and、uh, deny you and say, Who is the Lord? It does not have to be all rich people do not know God, but the greater temptation of someone who is rich is that he may think he is self self sufficient. And he does not need God. If someone does not depend on God, then he does not have a relationship with God. The result is the eternal punishment. 
I know some of you are really gifted with money management, but I want to challenge you. Do you think that you are self-sufficient with your wealth, or do you depend on God? Also, many of you may have suffered the effects of poor money money management, or have lived your whole lives in near poverty. But I have some good things for you this evening. That is, money is not everything. Money is a good, but not your greatest good. Principle number seven: knowledge and wisdom are better than money. Chapter three, verses thirteen to fifteen. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Here says, wisdom and understanding are better than silver and gold, and nothing can compare with them. Trumpet Longman, in his book *How to Read Proverbs*, says, "Wisdom is a rich concept and is not easily summarized. The basic idea of wisdom is the skill of living. It is a practical knowledge that helps one know how to act and how to speak in different situations. Wisdom entails the the ability to avoid problems and the skill to handle them when they present themselves." Wisdom also includes the ability to interpret other people's speech and writing in order to react correctly to what they are saying to us. There is another Chinese saying says, "It is more helpful to teach people how to fish than to just give them fish." So it is better someone has the skill of living, which is wisdom, than just having money. Principle number eight: Justice and righteousness are more valuable than money. Chapter sixteen, verse eight: Better is a little with righteousness than great re-、uh, revenues with injustice. Chapter twenty-eight, verse six: Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. There is a comparison in these two verses between righteousness and money, and the former one is better than the later one, according to the Book of Proverbs. Righteousness and in- integrity are more valuable than money. Also means that morality is more valuable than wealth. A man with character, no matter what his financial situation is. Better than a rich man who is dishonest. The last one, principle number nine: generosity and reward are more important than money. Chapter twenty-two, verse one: A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. A good name and favor are better than money. Then what is a good name? It is hard to to imagine someone who doesn't care the people who are poor and needy has a good name. He has to be a person who likes to share things, including his finance. 
chapter 11, verse 18. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. It says that the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. What is the reward? More money? The reward could include money, but this is not a sure reward, and, and there are a greater reward too. Chapter 11, verse 4, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. In chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Righteousness delivers someone from death. The reward is life, and it could be the eternal life. Because only eternal life can be a sure reward. Therefore, generosity and reward are more important than money. Jesus in Matthew 16 also says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? These nine principles should guide us how we think about money and how we use money. But more, more than that, when we think about money, we also need to think about Christ, think about the Gospel. I will use 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 to conclude this sermon. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And we know that the treasures in heaven that does not fail, while, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. May the triune God will give you wisdom and guide you how to earn and spend money in this world as his faithful stewards. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you for giving us the wisdom, giving us the wisdom to live in this world and how should we earn and use money as a faithful steward. And more importantly, Father, we also ask you to uh, let us uh, consider the gospel, consider the quest when we think about money, that we were all poor, but because Jesus, He, for, for our sake, He chose to become rich so that we can become, uh, chose to become poor so that we can become rich. And Father, may you uh, encourage us uh, by uh, this information that we hear this evening. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.